Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in. This is Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkis. I'm a writer for Windy City Gridiron. Other side of the screen. Did it again. Other side of the screen. This EJ Snyder. I got to stop pointing. It's not hey. working for me. Uh, this is EJ Snyder. This guy is uh, wearing an Angry Runs t-shirt from yes. homage. He is. Absolutely. Oh, homage. Homage? homage. Homage. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that whatever the way they want to pronounce it, they make yep. good t-shirts. They make uh, great t-shirts and they've got some good stuff. You've got some good stuff coming out from them uh, in the near future as well, but they have a Chicago bears running back who won angry runs. I wore the t-shirt on uh, Sunday for the game, uh, wore it on the post game as well. It's a cool shirt. Um, I really like it. I really like what they're doing with it. Uh, I think running backs need a little bit more love. And so it's cool. I've been waiting. I was waiting for a bear to get, to get it uh, before, before I got one. I, I was, you know, thinking it might have been Herbert, but uh, it's cool that it's Foreman. You know, Foreman or Roshan. Actually, I think I was I was thinking it would be Roshan because uh, mm. he he's got some angry run in him. But you know, maybe down the line, get another bear that, that gets that shirt. But anyway, cool shirt. If you like it, uh, go to their website and check it out. Uh, you know, we'll we'll post something on Twitter with a link to it as well. Uh, but this is Bears over beers. We talk about the Bears and we talk about whatever else you want to talk about. So if you're joining us live on YouTube, or if you would like to in the future, we do that at 8 Central on Wednesday nights, and you can throw your comments on the article on When You See the Gridiron, or you can come to YouTube and you can throw your comments there, and we will handle them. If we know anything about the subject, we will definitely do it. If we don't know anything about the subject, we might just stumble through it and just pretend. But you want to? You want me to like rank Marvel movies? I've seen like two of them, so maybe I can do that. You know, uh, you know, I mean, like, whatever. We'll, we, you know, maybe we can rank the ones that I, I think would be good, and and then you can make fun of me, right? Uh, sure. You want, you want EJ to do a deep dive into Star Wars? I'm sure he'd be willing to do that. Uh, you know, on the internet, anything Star Wars can be fairly toxic, so I would have to tread lightly, but I would give it a shot, and we would pick a fun category like favorite droid, and I'm sure we'd still get just completely massacred in the comments i don't see i don't even know what that means so like that this that could be fun like i could do game of thrones stuff sure. you 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 may or may not be able to do that like so uh, we may have to find a commonality topic but anyway just saying we don't need to just only talk about football but we do also talk about adult beverages on this show we do what did you bring this week oh i brought something familiar to you because i actually bought it when you were with me so okay uh, this is the Burrell Seagrass. Oh, you still have wow. some. 
I do. I drink this stuff very slowly because it is, I think the best way to describe this is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot going on here. It is yeah. not just a like sit down daily sipper kind of a whatever it's when you really want to experience something and kind of go on a ride a little bit. This is great stuff. Uh, but I find that a lot of times I'll look at it and look away. I'm like, not nah, too much for tonight. Like I just want something I'm familiar with that I could, could sip. But for tonight, we, we have a couple of topics that are, Oh, bring about a little more existential dread, I think. So, um, I, I went with Braille seagrass. What'd you bring? Well, I, this is the other, uh, empire rye that we got. Uh, oh, nice. this is the black button, uh, distilling mm-hmm. company. And, and uh, that's Rochester, correct? Uh, well, I'll, I'll look at it, but this is, uh, it's 96 proof. So it's a little low for me. Um, I do like uh, to to be a little higher on that. Um, it does say that it is in the Finger Lakes, or at least they use some some of the Finger Lakes. Yeah, um, but yes, it does say Rochester. So yeah, you, you so got it, you got it nailed. Black Button is named the guy that started the distillery is uh, named either after the family business or the building that they took over to make the distillery in, and it was a Button factory. Sure. Literally, the family was either in the button business or the building they took over was a button factory. I can't remember which one. Um, Sorry about that. But yeah, that's what they ended up naming the distillery after. So again, I I have had the neck pour out of this, and I would say that it was just um, a little bit on the low side of proof for me. I mean, you can generally taste that Uh, a little bit low on the aging. It's not... uh, it's not quite four years. It says aged a minimum of three years. So I guess I don't know it feels exactly hot. where it came in on. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll give an update at the end on second pour. But hmm. we've got some questions from from some people, some friends uh, that, that hit us up on Twitter. And so some of them, I think, are I think they're trolling. But we're going to we're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about them in the most fair way possible because there's been some stuff that had kind of splashed around on the internet. Now I, I like Adam Hogue. I like Adam Johns. They, mm. you know, they, they both do a very nice, they're both good writers. They're good podcasters. They do a nice job. They're pretty plugged in, in, in some ways, certainly have more connections. We They're on the beat. They, they talk to guys. So when they drop things, even if they say, here's my prediction, it comes from a little bit more research than you and me can do uh, because they're they're grounded with some sources, right? So we we can read the tea leaves, we can give our opinion of what we think will happen, or we say, you know, this is this is the way that I would go. Uh, but when Adam John says that he predicts Matt Eberflus is going to come back and be the head coach of the Chicago Bears in 2024, that is not just a hunch there's something that he is sourcing that off of and that was splashed out on a on an athletic article uh today uh you know recording this on wednesday and i it kind of burned bears twitter down a little bit which i think is interesting there was i think a, a pretty general consensus that bears twitter at least is looking to move on from from maddie Berflus. and so there's a uh, a comment from um andrew mcmahon he's at Andrew M 
1085-0700. I hope those numbers mean something and weren't just random. But but Andrew says, how happy will you be when Flus stays, they draft a new quarterback, and then the entire <laughs> regime gets canned at the end of 2024? Uh, well, I wouldn't be happy at all. Um, I, I, I think that I am in a position, I'm having a bit of an existential crisis with this today, um, in that I think I'm out. Like if, if, if Iberflus comes back, I have yeah. to find an alternative way to take my writing for the 2024 season. And it may be looking backwards at Bears history as a more full-time gig and, and looking in and really kind of diving deeper into that and, or looking at the whole league, because I, I don't think I can use at another entire year to cover the Maddie Refluce era. I would not really wish that on anyone Eberflus seems like a nice guy, and well, he seems like a nice guy. He does. It's like he the, seems uh, like the, a nice guy. It's yeah. like the Tommy Boy quote. It's like the friend zone. Yeah, no. This is the guy that wants to take over your business and and, and, and kick you out. But all you can say is, mm, "Seems like a nice guy." He seems like a nice guy. I feel that he is. I read the John's piece and there was some justification in there about, oh, well, that wouldn't be without changes, that there would probably be a change in defensive coordinator. There would you know, possibly be a change in offensive coordinator. Like, But my point being, he seems like a nice guy. And this is, this is not a personal bent. I've never met the man. Uh, he doesn't seem particularly good at his job. Now, he seems good at part of it but not most of it he's certainly not great at the podium over the past oh no he's bad wow like he's he's bad he i sent a couple of his podium quotes from a couple of days ago uh to some other folks who follow other teams and whatever and and i just put them out there without comment i just put them up there because i knew they wouldn't have seen them they don't follow the bears and and just put them out there and they were like, what? I watched the entire thing. He didn't say anything like there's there's no answer there. I was like, yeah, he basically took word salad and threw it in a blender. Like it's just a bunch of stuff spun around. So you'll stop asking like you either have to be really dogged as a reporter and say, hey, excuse me, that that doesn't answer the question. Like you didn't you didn't say anything, S say something or say you're not going to say anything, but but do something. And he doesn't. Typically, he seems overmatched this year uh, just by the job. And there was a thing in there about, oh, the guys aren't quitting. It was a quote attributed to polls. Like, I, and, and that's true. Guys are playing hard. They're showing a lot of effort. But that's that's not a high enough bar to endorse a head coach to return. And the other one is he's supposed to be a defensive coach. He is a defensive coach. That is his background in coaching. And the bears are completely bipolar as a team defensively. Like they're one of the very best run defenses in the entire league. Like I was going through a whole bunch of defensive stats this morning and I was shocked that the bears are like second in most of them. And these are meaningful stats against the run. This isn't garbage time stuff. And against the pass, they're awful. Like we all know the pass rush is, whoa, <laughs> well below the league average. That's why they went out and got Montez sweat. But, uh, you know, their coverage stuff, the amount of explosive plays allowed through the air, like 
they're they're bad against the pass. It's 27th, 28th, 24th, 25th, like bad, bottom of the barrel type stuff. And if you can't stop the pass in the modern NFL, you're not going to win a lot of football games because that is the way teams primarily move the ball. It's the majority of offense in the modern NFL is through the air. And if you're not good against that facet of the game, which is a major facet, you're, you're not very good at what you're supposed to be good at. And then there's the whole, hey, hands off the offense. Matt, we, we never worry about whether Matt Eberflus is calling the plays on offense. That's the one thing I guess we can, one feather we can put in our cap that we no longer have to worry about whether it's Nagy calling plays or the offensive. Like, we know Flues isn't calling the plays. So the offense stinks, but you don't do anything with that. You're supposed to be good at defense. Half of your defense is really good, and half of your defense is completely clueless. At what point are you like, oh, yeah, I need to retain that guy as a coach? Well, in a way, we talked about the two assistant coaches. He said that there would be changes at defensive coordinator. Sure. They don't have one, right? <laughs> he is the defensive coordinator right now, right? Like, they, that guy's not there. And, you know, we don't know the full story. Uh, you know, certainly plenty of whispers. If we don't know the full story, another coach was dismissed for you know, some sort of HR reason. Uh, the running backs coach is no longer with them. You know, I, I saw someone quip like, well, what if there's only one assistant coach that is let go for HR reasons in the second half of the year? That'd be improvement because, you know, two in the first yeah, half of the year, yeah, only dude, one in the uh, second half of the year, that'd be improvement, right? Um, you know, and, and I, I think that's a really good example of the, the bar is so low that it's just basically lying on the ground. And so if, this guy just steps over it and like that's your that's your metric that's your bar as you say it oh can't be. well you know they they showed up and yeah, they all didn't... wore the same uniforms he, you he know didn't... and a trip oh <laughs> man like you can't you can't evaluate that off of base like what you would have for peewee football right i mean it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me I, there should be some accountability you know i, I hate to uh, compare this to the to the Cubs, but you know the the Cubs. A lot of people didn't like their the manager Dave Ross, even though you know did a lot for them as a player. Uh, and they went out and they got well, who many consider one of the best managers in the game because he was available and, and made the switch. Like they hired that guy in secrecy and and fired Dave Ross and like within an hour of each other. Um, yep. I'm not I'm not suggesting to do that because I would like there's no need to keep it Eberflus, but they made the change. Like they were aggressive and, and they're, they're making a statement. The Cubs are making a statement that they want to get back in this thing and, and, and be a real contender. And that's what needs to happen in Chicago. You need to, you can make this decision early. This guy's, this guy's responsible for his staff. And at least two of them have been, have left under questionable circumstances. I mean, someone called out like, we don't know for sure. Okay. Like, but, we have a pretty good idea that the defensive coordinator is not there for, for some serious reasons. Right. So like that's on him. Like he's not responsible for other people's actions, but he brings those people in, right. Particularly in pro a prominent position, like your defensive coordinator. And then the, the product on the field just simply isn't good enough, even though there, there have been significant investments there. Right. And so I, I guess I'm just having a hard time. I know we talk about it a lot, but again, this is kind of the, the 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 topic du jour with the Johns piece today, which is you know him dropping that a little bit, and you know I think that's sourced a little bit. I think that that's kind of probably the feeling in the building right now that is like no, I think you know 
we're, we're in lockstep here, right? Things can change. There's eight games left. There's, you know, two months of football, but I just, I think I've seen enough and I, and I don't need any more, but if you keep this regime, you, you ship Justin Fields out, you, you draft another quarterback, you're doing the exact same thing. Like you're just perpetuating this cycle that hasn't worked. Now it's time to just break the chain, right? Break, break, yeah. <laughs> break the wheel and, and do it differently and have everything aligned. And so I wouldn't be happy at all. And to the point where I'm having serious conversations about how I'm going to change my approach to spending my fall next year, because I can't do this again. I can't, I can't. It, it's not going to work. I, guys. And I don't really want to like if, right. Eberflus came back and let's say whatever, let's just say changes were made, right? We don't, we don't know what changes there's most likely going to be shifted quarterback. There's a bunch of the comments popping up about that, about Justin and whether or not he gets kept like, say he improved quite a bit. Say he improved by 25%. Say his, his defense, whether it was his defense or not, again, head coach is responsible for the whole program. Say the defense of the Chicago Bears improved by like 25%. They would still be bottom half of the league, like solidly. Yeah. Say the win total increased by 25%. They would still be a sub 500 team. They would not be competing for a playoff spot. They certainly wouldn't be competing for a division crown. Like, and a 25% increase in the NFL is pretty significant. Like, that's a big jump. Definitely three or four teams make that jump every year. Like, it happens. Teams that were in the playoffs drop out, three or four of them. Teams that didn't make the playoffs and had terrible seasons do worst to first type things. Happens every year. But a 25% increase just sort of year over year for a good and stable franchise is a, is a huge jump. So if the Bears made a huge jump, they would still be less than average. They would, they would be a mediocre football team, not in contention. And then where are you in year, whatever that is, of the Flues regime, if you if you say, oh, well, see, he improved 25%. Like, you can't logically expect another 25% increase a year after that. There is such a thing as regression. And how long is this going to take, right? This is a two- to three-year window league anymore. Like, that's how long you get to have a quarterback and a payment window before that payment window changes significantly. And you have to adjust your strategy accordingly. Like you get two to three year window blocks, like start it off, get a rookie quarterback, get the rookie jitters out of the way, get into year two better than year three. You're competing. And then your veterans are aging out and your contracts are coming due and you have to sort of start over again. So if you're into year three and you're like, not yet a mid threat team like <laughs> what is this the six-year plan like come on it they, those don't exist anymore so i'm with you i think i've seen enough i'm with all for i'm all for getting it on the same page and the bears have not done that typically they've done this fits and starts thing which overlaps and just kind of keeps the bad rolling into the next cycle and i'm i'm fully done with that so I'm going to flip it over to the other side. We had a very similar question from Oak Lightning at Oak Lightning one. Uh, if Flus and the coaching staff really is the main problem of the team, does that mean Fields should get another shot next year with an offensive minded head coach? So mm -hmm. if you put those two options on the table for me, if the, if the two options are, you have to choose one option. One is Eberflus and the staff 
um, come back and they ship out Justin Fields and they take a new quarterback um, and we see what happens. Or you keep Justin Fields and you hire an offensive-minded head coach. I'm going to take option two. Now, it's not going to happen, right? Like, like <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, but between the two, the between the two options, that's what I would take because I, I believe that Justin Fields does have a skill set that can be unlocked enough to be, uh, you know, someone who can quarterback a team that can be competitive. Now, I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if it's if it's something that could that he could play with for that you'd want to pay him a ton of money. But I, but I just I think that there's someone who has at least a little bit of creativity and isn't so rigid and trying to, you know, put a put a square peg in a round hole. Uh, that I would be interested in seeing it. I think I'm going to get a chance to see it because I think that Justin Fields is going to go play for Atlanta or someone like that, and someone's going to try to to craft an offense around around his skill set. So we'll get to see it. It just won't be in Chicago. Um, but between those two options, I would rather do that. But I would I. If I'm given the third option, which is completely clean house, hire your offensive minded head coach, you know, hire Slowick, you know, hire Ben Johnson, hire, hire somebody that you like that you say, this is our guy. He's an offensive minded guy. And then let him pick the quarterback that he wants. Don't do what Carolina did where the owner came in and said, no, you're going to take Bryce Young and not the guy that you want as a coaching staff, CJ Stroud, right? Don't do what uh ryan pace and john fox that whole thing was right they weren't on the same page right like let your offensive minded head coach tell you what you think what he thinks the best quarterback is for him and take that guy and then let them work together and tie those guys at the hip your success comes together like you guys are gonna you guys are the marriage and 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 see what happens that's what i want i want an alignment i want an offensive head coach and i want a quarterback that is tied at the hip. That's what I want. That is desired by that coaching staff. That would be something, wouldn't it? I'm just going to lean on. I, I didn't really see it as an option one or option two. And thanks for the question, Oak Lightning. I'm going to lean on the word should in this question. And you know, should he get another shot next year? Yes, he 100% should. Is he going to? No, he's not. It is just not the way it works in the NFL. If there is a new coaching staff, especially an offensive-minded new head coach, it's not that he can't work with Justin. It's There's a lot of water under the bridge on that side, and he doesn't want to carry all that baggage. He doesn't want to deal with all that. It's not that Justin is not talented. He clearly is very talented, and I'm with you. I believe and I hope that he will go somewhere. And someone will tap into his awesome skill set, and we will get to see it. I'll be sad that it wasn't in Chicago, but I also am realistic about my team's operational standards, mm-hmm. and they are not good. They they don't they don't do things as we just said. Certainly on the offensive side of the ball, in the right way, in a way that proves to be successful more often than not. They tend to do the other thing. So I am realistic about the fact that Justin Fields' shot is not here, which is why I always laugh when people say, well, if the Bears just drafted Mahomes, if the Bears drafted Mahomes, he would be broken because that's what the Bears do. They break it. They do not listen. They do not wait. They Whatever they can do the wrong way on offense, they largely do. So Justin, I hope, gets his chance because he's a talented guy. 
He's dynamic. He's fun to watch. But he is not going to get another chance in Chicago if they hire a new head coaching staff, especially if it is offensively based and there is a very high pick available to the Bears, which it really looks like there's going to be. They're going to pick their own guy. They're going to go for a fresh start. And, you know, there's some talk about, oh, they could pick up Justin's fifth year option and he could be the backup. And no, it doesn't work that way in the NFL. It's lovely in a Madden sense of like, hey, I have two talented players. And honestly, the fifth year option for Justin would be pretty affordable uh, in terms of quarterback salaries, even for backup quarterback salaries for anybody as talented as him. It doesn't work that way. Locker rooms get divided. People don't know who the starter is. Whispers start as soon as there's it's it literally for the most part has to be one way and it either works or it doesn't, but there can't be two ways. Um, so that's why I say he should. Yes. Is he going to, he, he most likely won't. It's not going to happen in Chicago, but he, you know, I think that he's shown enough of an elite skill set that he will get a chance somewhere else. Whereas I think that the book was out on Trubisky and it was pretty clear that he was going to be a backup and have to kind of reestablish himself. So I think the, I think you'll see somebody take, take a chance on fields to be the guy and they'll craft something around him. That that's, that's my belief. So got a lot of football left. Um, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens in the second half of that second half of the year. We're going to take a break, but stick with us and you get to see what will happen in the second half of this show. How about that for a segue? I have beautiful. All right. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, DJ, we got to let's do a fun one. Uh, our, our buddy Andrew uh, wants to know, he, he says, oh, yeah, it's breakfast game this week. Yeah. Now he's like, oh, it's just Colts, Colts, Pats. But Andrew's going to watch it. You're going to you know, you're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it like it is what it is. It's of football. Course. It's in the morning. You know, it's with your your eggs, Benedict or whatever it is that you're going to be eating. But what alcoholic beverage do you suggest uh, that that you would go uh, go with on a brunch breakfast type football game? And so this this kind of enters into some interesting territory because on the one hand, this feels very like college tailgate, Big Ten tailgate kind of question, right? Like the Big Ten games are usually a lot of them are like at noon. So people are up really early and drinking, you know, and, you know, you just, mm-hmm. you walk around Iowa city and it's, you know, keg stands at, at, at 6am, but like, mm-hmm. you know, those days are, are a little bit in the rear view mirror for the two of us. And so, you know, <laughs> we, we've elevated our game. Yep. And so if we were in a situation where we were going to have a morning beverage, what would that look like for EJ? Well, I'll tell you about one of my favorite t-shirts. It was from a coffee shop and it was the late nineties in Tacoma. And it said coffee colon quickly surpassing beer is Tacoma's favorite breakfast drink. Uh, which, you know, that's, that's us. We're, we're, we're moving past breakfast beers, although breakfast beers are fine and I have nothing against them. It felt like this question had a little bit of an elevated air to it. And, and if I was going to go savory and you talked about some breakfast pairings, typically I would like a Bloody Mary sure. with a little bit of spice in it. As of late, that does not agree with me. For some reason, oh. tomato tomato has turned for me. So it's not a great start, especially on an empty stomach. Although I like that flavor, my body doesn't like that anymore. So my go-to for an alcoholic breakfast drink these days is Irish coffee. And I do it 
light on the Irish and very light on the whipped cream, if any. I, I typically just do cream, but I, I just ordered one of these out at a breakfast joint. Um, one of the benefits of my schedule is is it's a bit odd. Starts really early some mornings, and by the time I'm ready to eat, it's ten or eleven. So I rolled down to a bar that's right near the port of Tacoma, and uh, you know, God save bars right near working port areas. They're just oh, so sure. fantastic. Walked in and said, you know, I was having a bit of a rough morning. I was dragging, and she said, "Can I get you something to drink?" And I know the waitress, and I said, "Can I get an Irish coffee?" And she was like, "Oh yeah, sure." I was like, okay, it's 10, 15 in the morning. Sweet. Love it. She didn't blink. I said, you know, light on the Irish and light on the cream. And so just a little bit of whipped cream on the top that basically melts in and becomes creamer. And, you know, not, not too much, not the regular port shot of Irish. Um, Cause I don't need that, but I get a little bit of things that agree with me. Great taste warms you up in the morning. Uh, that's my go-to. What would your choice be? So I, 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 I actually like Bloody Marys quite a bit. They do agree with me just fine. Um, I little bit of I'm a spice guy, but mm-hmm. a little bit of spice in the morning. It, I'm more can handle spice a little later in the day. I think if you go too hard on the spice <laughs> early, that kind of catches up with you. I yeah. do think that Bloody Marys have jumped the shark. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Like, I mean, have you seen some of these? Like, oh yeah, the yeah, the, it comes with everything. Yeah, it's like there's a cheeseburger on top yeah, of your right, Bloody right. Mary, you know, and it's like, what? I don't, I don't understand. I, I what just wanted the drink. <laughs> like people just like started put, putting things on skewers, and then they just sort of like competed for. And it's like, well, is the Bloody Mary actually good? Yeah. Uh, so that that's that's what I would think of first, um, and then I I don't know beyond that. I mean, you know, I feel like my my wife would do like the you know, the, the champagne with the mimosa, the yeah. most those are bellinis. I, see, I like can't that. do that because yeah. I, I can't do champagne period. Like champagne does not agree with me. I'm, I'm not really a wine guy. If I am, I'll, I'll drink a, a little bit of red, but that, that's about it. And I, I've tried lots of wine and I, I very much appreciate wine and wine making. And I think it's fascinating, but it, again, not a drink that really agrees with me, but like champagne is like, instant headache for me. I don't care. Good champagne, crappy champagne, doesn't matter. So everybody's like, do you want a mimosa? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> so, so I'm working on, so, I, but I wanted to say, kind of come back to your Irish coffee. I'm working on a bourbon version. And if you know mm. that, oh, you I might know that you. there is a, uh, there is a tree called the Kentucky coffee tree. And yes. so I'm, I'm trying to make a cocktail oh. called the Kentucky coffee tree. Do what? you remember this is related? This is completely related, and I just saw it yesterday. Okay. I sent you uh the stone beer that I said reminded me of you. Yeah. The 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 yeah, the Mexican chocolate one. Right. Yeah. Chocolate Vesa or something. Yeah, yeah. It's good. They're making coffee. Oh, okay. They're making coffee in that flavor. Stone has four coffees that are themed to their beers, and that's one of them. And they announced that yesterday, and I was like, now that would make a tremendous, uh, let's just call it Mexican coffee because you can put your liquor of choice in it. But I was like, I got to try that. That would be amazing. That makes sense. So so what, I, what I've what i done is I go bourbon instead of Irish whiskey, mm-hmm. obviously. And then you've got your coffee, which I use espresso, but like whatever. And sure. then the, the tree part, I'm still playing with. So like maybe like a coconut liqueur or like a coconut cream, right? It comes from a tree or like an Amaro. Because Amaro, I think yeah. that like there's a, Amaro's really kind of run the gambit, but it gives like an interesting flavor. I think that would be a fun 
uh, morning cocktail as well. Like again, you, you like Irish coffee, but I'm more of a bourbon guy. I'm a little more flavor, a little more well, punch mouth. So I'm not gonna say that I don't put Kentucky in my coffee now and again. Okay. Like, okay. Or or Canadian. Canadian actually, Canadian blended whiskey and coffee is is one well, of my the same. It's the same thing as Irish. Uh, yeah. They're just both kind of smooth and boring. So. Shots fired. No, 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 no. All right. Let's uh let's let's move let's on. Move on the, shall let's we? move on from the drink talk. But uh uh Eric just uh in the comments on the YouTube, Eric says that Iberfus looks and sounds like a broken man. Maybe, uh, but also like he just may not know how to interact with the media. Like I don't know what his background is or how he's being prepped, but like he, he's not very good at that part of the job. Yeah. Um John John, just again, some quick hitters here, but uh, which side of the Harbaugh debate are you guys on? I, I'm assuming we're we're talking about Jim Harbaugh and not Correct. how great John Harbaugh is. Yeah. Because um, like, I mean, I don't debate? think there's a debate on John Harbaugh. He's really good football coach and, and uh, you know, the, the Ravens are a good football team. But um, the I, actually I looked this up and you can find articles linking Jim Harbaugh to bears coaching openings for like the last four openings. Like yeah. it just, it is what it is. Like he's, mm -hmm. his name is always going to come up if the bears and, and he does, he does a great job. Like why wouldn't he? Because it's leverage in contract extensions for sure. NFL wants me. There's another team that wants to pull me back. Right now. Maybe he wants to get back in the NFL. I've heard that he, I've heard he's interested in the chargers job. If that opens up, is that real or is that leverage? I don't know. No, that's but, that's real. That's real. That's, okay. that's the top one that I've heard him link to in the pros. Uh, he very much likes the West Coast. He would love to live, you know, between Los Angeles and San Diego. Uh, and Chargers could be if they're looking for a new coach, if they decide that they've seen enough of theirs, they are very much a team that is ripe for a culture change and that is seen as one of harbaugh's greatest strengths is he will bring you know a different and unifying culture to a team that that needs one yeah i'm just i'll believe it when i see it i think there's he wants all the power and i don't think that the bears are currently set up to just want to hand that over right now so um i i, I want to ask you this i thought this was a funny thing to to put in a comment but <laughs> the, the Bears cut Doug Kramer, who I never saw it with. I never understood the fascination beyond the fact that he was a local kid. Um, but uh, uh, Brian uh, Leroy Trigg asks, how do you feel about Doug Kramer going to Arizona? How I feel? Good for Doug Kramer. I'm happy yep. Doug, somebody wanted to claim Doug Kramer and wanted to put him on the active roster. He makes more money that way. He'll be on the active roster for um, you know, at least a few weeks in Arizona and maybe the rest of the year and, and good for him. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Am I sad that he's not a Chicago bear? Absolutely not. No, I hundred percent. Uh, I'll just stamp your answer and take it very happy for the young man. He has to be on the active roster for three weeks. Um, that's what happens when you get claimed. You can't just claim him and then drop him back to your practice squad. That's that's dirty pool. He has to be on the active roster for at least three weeks. That's pretty significant money for a guy that's been bouncing around on the practice squad. Do I care about his football fortunes as it relates to the Bears? No, I never really thought he was a factor. I was surprised, um, actually, by the sort of outpouring of positive support for Mr. Kramer for anything other than 
uh, you know, he played in the Midwest. Like uh, there is a strong Midwest bias where lots of folks in the Midwest tend to overrate a lot of players that play there um, just because they played there. I watched his line that year because his tackle was somebody that we uh, actually interviewed at Shrine Bowl. And so I, I spent a lot of time looking at the Illinois offensive line. And, you know, everybody, when Kramer's name came up, I was like, why? Like he, he was, he was incredibly mid in college. Uh, physically, he was above average. Um, but in terms of what you saw on tape, there was literally nothing special about Kramer. I was very surprised that people were excited about him. Um, you know, people that played at local colleges get claimed as UDFAs all the time. That's a, it's a very NFL thing that happens, but people were like, Whoa, we got Kramer. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh, okay. Like maybe you saw something I didn't, but, um, haven't seen it yet, but who knows? I hope he flourishes. I hope everybody flourishes. Sure. That's something that people don't realize is, I'm not voting for anybody to fail here. There, there's no reason to. I would rather see better football, and better football means they exceed my expectations, play as well as or better, and that just makes a better league. So I hope he absolutely kills it. I hope he carves himself out a six- or seven-year career of the pros. That'd be neat. Um, am I worried that the Bears let him go? Not in the slightest. I was kind of hoping for Aaron Rodgers to fail this year. So just for the record, I, I do have that petty in me. Um, I know. And he failed on the first drive. It was fantastic. I loved it. I, I wanted to actually talk. I, I don't, no one asked this, this question, but I want to ask the question. I want to talk about it, but the, the Roquan Smith. Oh, this was, this today. was why I brought the seagrass specifically this. Okay. So Roquan basically comes out and says that he's, he's just relieved that his career is not going to go down the drain that he's, he's in Baltimore and he's, uh, you know, he's contributing to a winning team. And if he was back in Chicago, you, you know, he wouldn't be, uh, is basically the sentiment paraphrasing. And, uh, you know, I, I think the reactions from a lot of bears fans were probably expected. I, I got a lot of like, who, you know, like, Oh, Oh, you, Oh, you've moved on so much. And then, uh, you know, people, you know, people that I like and respect say like, I don't care what Roquan says. He plays for a different team. Now I care about our guys. I like our guys. Right. Okay. That's fair. I want to actually like talk about what he said and say Roquan Smith is right. And mm -hmm. here's, here's the thing. Roquan Smith's been a very good football player in this league. He hit the, the best that he did in terms of postseason individual honors is that he was second team all pro twice in Chicago. It's a very good accomplishment. No pro bowls. Why? Because the bears are bad. You have to be a good team to be able to get pro bowlers. That's just how it works, right? So he plays half a year in Chicago, gets traded, plays half a year in Baltimore. He gets a Pro Bowl, and he's first-team All-Pro. Now, one, Chicago changed their defense, and they were asking him to do something different. That is what it is. Poles sends him to the best possible place. He gets paid. He goes to a winning organization. He unlocks that defense. He makes Patrick Queen better, right? Like, he unlocks what Baltimore wants to do. He's in a perfect situation. He's playing the role that he is made to play in the NFL. He's going to be a first team all pro this year again. And right now he went from really good player on a bad team to, well, this guy might be a hall of famer. I'm not, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm exaggerating here. Like mm -hmm. now he is now on the trajectory to say, Oh, this is who this guy is. 
and he starts stacking these first team all pros, not only is he going to get paid again, if he can keep his body healthy and, and get another contract on the line, he's going to be one of the legends of the game. And so he's completely right to say what he did. And he's, I saw the dismissals and I understand them. And it is a, quite frankly, a jaded fan base, a jilted fan base that is just sore that their team sucks. And our team, I, I try not to say my team and our team, because I'm not on the team, the Bears, the team I follow, the team that is, you know, I am a fan of is bad. Like objectively, it is a bad organization. It has lost the most game, the fourth most games over the last 10 years. Like it is an objectively bad for a long time franchise. And it is not, there is not hope in the cupboard. It is not the Texans with CJ Stroud emerging. It is not even the Colts with Anthony Richardson, who is now injured, who showed great promise in the first month. And then, oh, he's hurt. We don't, you know, like, there's nothing like that on tap for the bears. The bears are waffling right now. They're probably going to have to start over, get another quarterback. Their offensive line is, has some pieces, but needs to be rebuilt. Like it is not like everything's looking up in Chicago. Chicago is still completely mid. And as you said, Roquan is, he has no reason to punch down. Like he is in the best possible spot. Everything about his spot is better. He got more money, more leadership, if that's even possible, because he was a leader on the Chicago defense. He certainly has more bright lights, more accolades, and is a happier dude. He is on a Super Bowl contender that is a strong contender to take the AFC this year. Strong, strong contender. He has he's the happiest guy in the world right now. He's getting to do what he loves. He's getting paid a bunch of cash and he's being recognized for it like he is rolling as a professional athlete right now he has no reason to do the jilted ex-girlfriend thing to chicago like he he could have just let it lie instead he says you know <laughs> i wasn't here a year ago and i feel a lot better being here because i knew i was playing for nothing there and he is 100% right. And people that just brush it off are missing the point. This isn't about Roquan spitting back because he was, you know, jilted and they didn't give him a contract. He doesn't care. He got his contract and he's in a better place. He is speaking the truth that Chicago is right now a rudderless organization that is wasting the talents of a lot of good players. I think anybody who's a Chicago fan calls himself a Chicago fan cannot possibly objectively look at this team and saying that they are achieving as much as they could be for the talent that's on the field. Like they are underachieving again. Like this is not new. This is not a one-time thing to get a high quarterback pick. This is not a tank job. This, this is regular standard operating procedure for the bears. They're underachieving yet again. They're listless without direction. And what Roquan said is 100% true and it freaking stings like it stings because it's true that's the thing about true statements mm -hmm. you cannot like deflect them and go yeah nah, whatever like you know that it's true and that's why it hurts and that's what this is i sent this statement to three other people right when it came out who cover the league and cover other teams Better teams, not surprisingly. There's not too many worse. Yeah, teams I was gonna say, who, who are you gonna send it to? Yeah. 
I didn't send it to any of my Arizona Cardinals buddies. Let's put it that way. Uh, and all of them said the same thing. Like, ooh, ow. But yeah, he's right. That's paraphrasing. Like, I got three statements. They were all one sentence long, and they all said that. Like, ooh, Jesus. But true? Like, that was the thing. And that's what you need to take away from the Roquan statement is not that Roquan's mad or he's being pissy or anything else that Roquan is saying, Hey man, like Chicago is currently spinning. I am not currently spinning and I'm happy about that because I'm a good player and I'm contributing and we're going places. And what he didn't say, but what I inferred from that statement is I wish a bunch of my buddies on that team weren't stuck there. I wish the Jalen Johnson's of the world were, could get to see, the league, like I'm getting to see it right now because they have the talent to do it, but they're in Chicago and that's awful. And that alone, like that pure sentiment alone from a player at the top of the game should be enough for this organization to look at itself and change the way it's doing things because it continues to do things the same way and it continues to get the same results and they suck. And if you continue to do it, you're going to just overpay in free agency. No one's going to want to come here. Like, unless you, you give them the bag. Like, I mean, that that's, well, that's, that's the other part of this that people didn't talk about, but I thought was even more significant. Like players talk, all yes. the players talk. They all right. went to school together. They all went to camps together. They're all pro bowls. They all go to, you know, tight end camp together. Like they all talk and, if a guy like Roquan, who is well-respected in the league, comes out and says, that place is circling the drain, you're going to pay a premium. People are yep. going to tell their agents, like, oh, you got an offer from Chicago? It better be 15% better than anybody else's, or I'm not even thinking about it, right? Because if that is your destiny, everybody says, oh, they'll just take the money. They'll just take the money. They'll just take the money. Players two-thirds of the way into their career aren't just going to take the money. They want to rank. And if they know that an organization is not really fighting for a ring and really far away from being able to do that, they're out. And go back to what I just said about Roquan's time in Chicago. Did it surprise anybody that I just revealed to you that he didn't make a Pro Bowl in Chicago? <laughs> like, like players get paid off of those those That's individual correct. accolades that they rack up, and he wasn't going to get them here. Yeah, right. Like you need wins. And, and so again, it puts the player on a different trajectory and, and I, like, I'm, I really don't think it's an exaggeration to say like, he has now put himself this trade. He, I mean, he should send Ryan Poles, a, a you know, a fruit basket or something like that as, as thank you, because like he's, he's that trade put him into a conversation um, that we couldn't get him in when he was in Chicago. Right, like we no, could and he should we have tried. been in. I we, yes, you and yeah. I tried to do that many no, times. Yeah, I built that matrix, and he was literally the second or third best linebacker in the league the year he didn't make it. Like, like objectively, eight, nine, ten different measurements of of linebacker performance. He was either second or third, and he actually had more firsts than the two guys that were selected throughout those eight or nine categories. Like he fully deserved it. I, I made that point with several of my writer friends, like, no, no, Roquan deserves a pro bowl nod. Like it's not even close. And they were like, Oh yeah. And again, it's people looking at the organization going, well, he can't be that good. Cause the organization sucks. But, 
football's still a team game. And if your organization is not properly aligned to make decisions to put players in the best possible position, and Chicago is clearly not, you won't win despite how much talent you might amass. I want to highlight one that I think I'm just setting this up for tomorrow night. So tomorrow <laughs> night I'm doing the post game with Bill. Uh-oh. So uh, this is Chris Armstrong at Chris Armstrong. Well, she says during Bill's show earlier this week. So Bill had uh, uh, the great mullet man, the, the long snapper, uh, right. Patrick Manley on and said uh, our favorite long snapper expressed disappointment when Trenton Gill's play this season. Uh, am I going to take this sitting down? So uh, <laughs> here, here's, here's the thing. Like if you look at the stats for Gill this year, they're not great, right? Like, I mean, you can, you can just go to the punting stats, um, you know, his net is worse in the league. Like his, it, it's not good. Right. So, so when, when I did that exercise last year, I was actually a little surprised that it looked like he was doing better than average. Um, and this was the first half of the year. It looked like he was, so he was a little above average. A couple things are happening in punting. One, there's an influx of better punters. It, it's something that you guys probably have not noticed, but there are some really good punters there. The record, the 82 year old record, I think Al Michaels talked about it like four times the other night. Um, like it was like an 80 year old record that Sammy Baugh held about uh, average punt distance. And it was broken last year by by Ryan Stonehouse, but it was actually broken by two punters. That's that's the the really cool thing is that it stands for that long. And then two punters broke it. I can't remember the the, the second guy off the top of my head. Um, so there are just better punchers. And so those averages that I used last year, those are going up because more and more of those, a lot of them are the Aussie style punters that are coming in and, mm -hmm. and they're just, they're just better. Right. Um, there's the other thing is like, I would like there to be a, just a more statistical approach. Now that takes time and effort. And like, I don't have the like hundred hours that it would take to do that for the whole league. Um, but that would be more interesting to me than just the the basic stats that are out there because i think you have to take into account where where they're punting from the historical averages you know at least in the, like the last five years of what the expectation is i think there's some things that you can tie it to then the third thing is like what is he being coached to do bill's big thing is that he doesn't think gill is pinning opponents deep like within the five and he's not seeing you know, inside the five marks on the, on the tally sheet, right. From, from Gil um, or inside the 10 or whatever you want to say. And part of my, that we have a, a black space here, which is what is Gil being told? Mm -hmm. um, if, if he's being told, Hey, attack, like, it, you know, it's on you, man, like you try to pin him deep. Or is he being told like, not worth the risk, like get it, you know, try to aim for the 10. Right. So that way you give yourself a little buffer or aim for the eight or whatever and, and give yourself a little buffer. These guys are so accurate with their punts. You'd be surprised like that. You know, I watched Gil in camp hit a punt and he was just hitting the spot like he was coughing corner every time. Like he was just, it was it was like seven, eight punts in a row. He was doing it right. And I know a game situation things are going to be a little different. These guys really are accurate now. If, but if he's being coached to say, like, aim for the eight and give yourself two yards plus or minus, um, that's a different outcome than say like aim for the four or aim for the two, right? And our guys will go down and get it. So there, so there's a little bit of like, we don't know how, what he's being told to do. We don't know what he's being coached to do. Um, but 
yeah, there's probably there's probably some criticism to be had for for Gill. He's not somebody who has the biggest leg in the league and, and can't flip the field. Um, but I just want I just want a little bit more of a statistical approach than going to basic punting stats that are are recorded out there. But see, it's like well, there's a lot more that goes into punting than just that. This is, this is two smart kids fighting on the playground. <laughs> we're we're going to have a lunchtime brawl about punters. Uh, now, everybody loves punting. That's why I all, talk about all I can. All I can contribute to this is if you want to talk about the Raiders being re-energized on a, on a complete level, AJ Cole, who is the punter for the Raiders. For those of you that don't follow punters like me, I, I, I look at punters at all-star games. I listen to their punts and I go, cool, that guy can really belt the hell out of it. That is the extent of my punter scouting. AJ Cole set a single game NFL record with a 63.6 yard per punt average, highest single game average in NFL history, minimum of four punts after McDaniels left. So even the punter was like, screw you, man. I'm going to let it loose. Say what you will. Now you got to be given you so you've got to be given long fields to be able to do that, right? So if he had if they were asking him to punt from like the 40, he would yeah. that would have like no, killed the average. Right. So like those there are those are those things, right? Where there there's like, well, these are know, the things like, that keep you awake at night that I am completely oblivious to. Just want some statistical soundness in the in the criticism. That's all I'm asking. So I, I look forward. Do you, do you really think you're gonna get that out of Bill? Do I think I'm going to get it out of Patrick Manley? Probably not, right? Do you like think you're going to get it out of Bill? Spreadsheets out there. Bill, maybe. I think Bill has the ability to do that. I'm not going to doubt I, I, Bill. Okay. Right? But maybe Bill, Bill can run a spreadsheet. I'm just Heck saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. And, and it's on me, I think, to like sit down in the offseason and, and do that. I just, it's hard to motivate yourself to, to I'm try to take it upon myself to refine punting stats. Okay. Maybe. Maybe, maybe there's a need. Maybe I've found my I, niche. Maybe that's your niche. Maybe. I, I got somebody that can help you out. Actually, I have I have another friend that is equally passionate about punters. Actually, I have two. That's crazy. We'll we'll form a little club. That's I right. Can, <laughs> you can have a try aspects of the football. It's it, if it's football, like it, it's important, right? Like okay. I mean, it, it's, right. It, we need to spend a little bit of time on it. That that's all. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, and you know, the Hawkeyes had like the best punter in the draft coming up. Right. right? Yep. So that's going to be exciting. <laughs> for <Yeah>. you <laughs> i mean for for everybody i mean they, they're gonna be fighting over this guy it's gonna be a big deal i can't what wait until, until, he goes? i i can't wait until team x spends a third rounder on him and the world burns it's a weapon, that, it's a that's, weapon what people, that's what people say uh okay so i think that's enough fun for the week <laughs> um fun in air quotes We've got another game tomorrow. So the Bears are playing another yeah. Thursday night game, which is yeah, kind of crazy. And so let's just end on talking about this this game and what this means. So I I I think that the the country is like, oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. We've got the Bears and the the Panthers. We, no one no one wants to watch this. Untrue. I, well, people will because it's football and, and it's the only game on and, you know, they're going to they're going to complain and they're going to tune in. Right. But Bears fans are very interested in this game, obviously, because the Bears own the Panthers first round pick next year. Mm -hmm. And if you know, this is this kind of like this is a really important game for Chicago to win. And it looks like Tyson Bajan's going to be starting again. 
And it's just this like, God, if they drop this one, you know, like it, it could really mess up where we're at with 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 potential draft position here. So th- this becomes like a pretty nerve wracking game, particularly since Carolina was able to to notch a victory against the Texans a couple of weeks ago. They're no longer a zero win team. Like it, it, I'm a little nervous for this I one. Can tell. <laughs> I can what tell. about you? What, how do you see this? Uh, this is the the pick Super Bowl, but I I tend to look at it um, as the Bears win either way. If they add to the you know Panthers loss total, fine, no problem. If the Panthers add to their loss total, you know makes the second pick worth more money. I I get it. I understand. I did see some projection the other day that the bears ended up with like the fourth and the sixth pick. And that would be disaster. Like that's make no mistake. That would be horrible. I'm looking forward to the game itself. Um, if you're looking for a light company, if you want to hang out with a bunch of sickos, stop by the bootleg Thursday night live stream. You will be among good company among people that understand what this game means, which is draft position, you know, couple of Chicago fans who who can talk about the fun points of this game no matter what they may be look, look the Panthers are a little beat up Brian Burns is out he's in concussion protocol lost one of their top receivers you're going to see some depth both pushed on their defensive line as well as the wide receivers so makes makes that balance look a little bit better for those that think the Bears winning is is preeminent and completely necessary um, the Bajan discussion we didn't even get into. Can you believe that we spent an hour here and we really didn't even talk about the whole, like, if I hear one more time, he's so poised, he's so composed while he's, you know, sending up three picks, I'm probably going to lose it like in real time. But besides that, stop by the bootleg Thursday night live stream. It's on the bootleg football YouTube channel. We'll be there. Start a half an hour before game time. We'll take you through the whole thing. We will not cut out early. That is our pledge to you. Um, Brett will be trying to finish his bottle of Malort, which I cannot condone. So if you have underage viewers, there's a trigger warning there. But other than that, should be a really good time. Well, and then you can shift over and hang out with Bill Zimmerman and I on not exactly. Sure show. You've so, got like a full I mean, night of programming. It's perfect. Yeah, full, full night of programming. You don't, you don't have to... Don't have to pay anything you know just yeah. just show up man you know just turn just the tv on mute yeah. the announcers listen to thursday night live stream and just transition seamlessly to the windy city gridiron channel like by the way i'm i'm convinced that the, the problem with malort is that like it's it's somehow people just thought that you should shoot it and like that's just dumb like you could use it in a cocktail and like you know, like have have the have it express itself in in, in a correct way, but people are just drinking I, it straight. So there's I, plenty of liquors that you don't drink straight. You, they use well, them as sh- sure, a hundred percent. But I'm convinced that the only way to like properly use Malort as a mixer is to like light it on fire first and burn off some of that, uh, and then see what's left. I mean, I, I'm just saying. Like, I I think it's just it's this weird thing you've had it like, correct i mean yes, 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 of course oh, but like, okay well people but, say of course a lot of people are like no no i've never had it listen i i could turn around yeah. my camera and show you about 50 bottles of booze like i, I you know I've, I've 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 been around man i and i used that's to bartend right, right? That's so right. not your so, first rodeo so the so bartenders love to like bartenders love to give 
shots to people that are begging for free shots. Oh, yes. This is what happens when you're a bartender. There's always somebody that comes up and says, can I get a free shot, man? Mm-hmm. And like generally that's not something that you want to do. Like that's kind Ooh. of antithetical to running a bar. You want them to pay for <laughs> drinks, right? And so bartenders will generally not do that unless they're a cool person that like are, is a regular and maybe they'll, they'll sure. buy them a shot or whatever. Um, sure. But they'll do things like, you know, they'll take the the bar mat and they'll, they'll LA freeway. It, they'll squeeze it into a, a shot and they'll, there you go, man. Like, you know, stuff like that. Or, They'll 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 pour a you know prairie fire right a bunch of Tabasco <laughs> with, some, with some tequila right yep. because they're like get away from me like you're yeah. you're like this I'm trying to serve <laughs> as many drinks as possible so that I can make tips like that's the whole point of vendor right. bar right um, and I and I think that that's basically what Malort was for bartenders was here's <laughs> this go and it was to like get people begging for free shots to get out of their face because it doesn't taste good on its own, right? No. But like a bartender, bartenders will take shots of like Fernet Branca. I love Fernet Branca. I think it's fantastic. But like if you're not used to it, you probably think it would be disgusting like people think more disgusting. But, you know, it's one of those things where you just get get used to it, right? Yeah, the beer version of that, uh, which was known for a long time in the mid to late 90s as the 21-run ender, uh, which was, okay, we've had enough fun go away now was uh cave creek chili beer out of arizona oh yeah sure i've had it yeah, yeah it's an extremely light lager with an extremely hot chili in the bottom of the bottle so not a very light beer taste and that comes across like acidic like super hot the chili definitely comes through and it's hot when but people were like oh good tomato yeah. beer though so oh yeah it's a very good 100 but like that would be the like Harper. Okay, you're done. <laughs> Here, have this because after you know multiple other beers and shots on your 21 round, that was that was usually the the capper. I love it. Uh, so I I can't believe I'm saying this. Thank you, Butthead, uh, sure. for for for, uh, for saying love the show. Been watching a few 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 seasons. Never catch it live. So thanks for joining us live. And he says he works in Cave Creek. So there you go. <laughs> That's hilarious. Cave Creek is actually a cool town. Um, but yeah, I, I learned about Cave Creek through the beer. I actually ended up going there later on a sort of mountain biking swing where we were able to drive through. But I was like, Cave Creek? No kidding. Like, go there. I know that town. Um, the beer, if you haven't had it, is is something else. I don't even know if they make it anymore. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. But uh, long it was, yeah, it was, that was something else. Because it was like, oh yeah, maybe it's spicy. And then you had one and it was like, oh Wow. Yeah. No, they found a way to make that chili come through 100%. It's a, it's a great tomato beer base, though. Like, oh, yeah. if you're into that, yeah. try that out. I feel like I saw it a few years ago, but I don't, I'm not seeking that out. So, no. Um, no. All right. We're going to end it there. I appreciate everybody for joining us live and uh, join EJ tomorrow. Join me and Bill tomorrow night after yeah. the game. I mean, we'll have stuff to talk that about. Is, that and, is a perfect uh, flow. Perfect. Flow. And then enjoy the long weekend without bears football right like you can you you can you can uh you can just go do something else with your life or you can watch good football teams play right like there's there's well i'm gonna go to uh uh commander seahawks on sunday 
Uh, we're doing a meetup on Saturday night. If anybody's interested, 7.30 at Bahama Breeze up at South Center. We're going to get together with the Seahawkers podcast guys. Um, hang out there. If you don't want to come to the game, come come have a beer with us. Uh, and then Sunday I'll be at the game with, oh, 35 to 50 other friends between the two groups. And we got a block of tickets. So you're going to say 50,000 of your closest friends. No, no, it's, it's many more than that in Lumen field, but uh, it'll be loud as always, but we'll get to see Sam Howell sling it. Like Sam Howell is on a tear. So um, should be a good time. Uh, have fun at that. And again, everybody enjoy your, your long bears free weekend after tomorrow night. And we'll be back here next week uh, to talk about it. See you then.